You can say your name. My name is Olivia. And how old are you? I'm 10 years old. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Um, because he saved me and because of him I can go to heaven. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world and the hope of living with him forever so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else and why he wants you to join him. Hello, and welcome to the Jesus is Better podcast. I'm Thomas Morrison. I'm excited to bring to you the last story of the book of First and Second Samuel today. We started this journey in First Samuel over a year ago. Alicia took a break to have a baby, and then she worked through the Gospel of Luke for a while. And for the past seven weeks, we've explored all the different stories in the book of Second Samuel. Originally, First and Second Samuel were one big story all put together, but were later split up into two books. We started these stories with a story about a woman named Hannah, who couldn't have any children. And now we're going to end the book with a few more stories about David. Remember what Hannah did right after she gave birth to Samuel? She sang a song praising God for lifting up the humble and bringing down those who are proud. At the end of our book, we'll hear a song from David and see that though he was lifted up and became proud, he was also brought low. If you remember what happened last week, David and his general Joab have just killed David's son, Absalom. David seems unable to act right as king anymore, and he continues to suffer from all of his bad choices. Before David can even get back to Jerusalem, there's going to be another rebellion in Israel. Let's read about it. People from all the tribes of Israel began arguing among themselves. They were saying, The king saved us from the power of our enemies, and he saved us from the power of the Philistines. But now he has left the country to escape from Absalom. We anointed Absalom to rule over us, but he has died in battle. So why aren't any of you talking about bringing the king back? King David sent a message to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. David said, Speak to the elders of Judah. Tell them that I said, News has reached me where I'm saying, People all over Israel are talking about bringing me back to my palace. Why should you be the last to do something about it? You are my relatives. You're my own flesh and blood. So why should you be the last to bring me back? Say to Amasa, Aren't you my own flesh and blood? You will be the commander of my army for life in place of Joab. If that isn't true, may God punish me greatly. So the hearts of all the men of Judah were turned toward David. All of them had the same purpose in mind. They sent a message to the king, and they said, We want you to come back. We want all your men to come back too. Then the king returned, and he went as far as the Jordan River. The men of Judah had come to Gilgal to welcome the king back. They had come to bring him across the Jordan. So all the people went across the Jordan, and then the king crossed over. After the king had crossed over, he went to Gilgal. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel had taken the king across. Soon all the men of Israel were coming to the king, and they were saying to him, Why did the men of Judah take you away from us? They are our relatives. What right did they have to bring you and your family across the Jordan River? What right did they have to bring all your men over with you? 
All the men of Judah answered the men of Israel. They said, We did that because the king is our close relative. So why should you be angry about what happened? Have we eaten any of the king's food? Have we taken anything for ourselves? And then the men of Israel answered the tribe of Judah. They said, We have ten of the twelve tribes in the kingdom. So we have a stronger claim on David than you have. Why then are you acting as if you hate us? Weren't we the first ones to talk about bringing back our king? But the men of Judah argued their side even more forcefully than the men of Israel. An evil man who always stirred up trouble happened to be in Gilgal. His name was Sheba. Sheba was from the tribe of Benjamin. He blew his trumpet, and then he shouted, We don't have any share in David's kingdom. Jesse's son is not our king. Men of Israel, every one of you, go back home. So all the men of Israel deserted David. They followed Sheba. But the men of Judah stayed with their king. They remained with him from the Jordan River all the way to Jerusalem. David returned to his palace in Jerusalem. Then the king said to Amasa, Send for the men of Judah. Tell them to come with me within three days, and you be here yourself. So Amasa went to get the men of Judah, but he took longer than the time the king had set for him. David said to Abishai, Sheba will do more harm to us than Absalom ever did. Take my man and go after him. If you don't, he'll find the cities that have high walls around them, and he'll go into one of them and escape from us. So Joab's men marched out with the foreign fighters that followed David. They went out with all the mighty soldiers, and all of them were under Abishai's command. They marched out from Jerusalem and went after Sheba. They arrived at the great rock in Gibeon. Amasa went there to welcome them. Joab was wearing his military clothes. Over them, at his waist, he had strapped on a belt that held a dagger. As he stepped forward, he secretly took the dagger out. Joab said to Amasa, How are you, my friend? And then Joab reached out his right hand, and he took hold of Amasa's beard to give him a kiss. Amasa didn't know the dagger was in Joab's left hand. Joab stuck it into his stomach, and Joab didn't have to stab him again. Amasa was already dead. And then Joab and his brother Abishai went after Sheba. Sheba passed through all the territory of the tribes of Israel, and he arrived at the city of Abel Beth Makkah. He had gone through the area, gathering soldiers to follow him. Joab and all of his troops came to Abel Beth Makkah. They surrounded it because Sheba was there. They built a ramp up to the city, and it stood against the outer wall. They pounded the wall with huge logs to bring it down. While that was going on, a wise woman called out from the city. She shouted, Listen, listen, tell Joab to come here. I want to speak to him. So Joab went to her, and she asked, Are you Joab? I am, he answered. She said, Listen to what I have to say. I'm listening, he said. She continued, Long ago, people used to say, Get your answer at Abel. And that would settle the matter. We're the most peaceful and faithful people in Israel. You are trying to destroy a city that is like a mother in Israel. Why do you want to swallow up what belongs to the Lord? I would never do anything like that, Joab said. I would never swallow up or destroy what belongs to the Lord. That isn't what I have in mind at all. There's a man named Sheba in your city. He's from the hill country of Ephraim, and he's trying to kill King David. Hand that man over to me, then I'll pull my men back from your city. The woman said to Joab, We'll throw his head down to you from the wall. The woman gave her wise advice to all the people of the city, and they cut off the head of Sheba, and they threw it down to Joab. So he blew his trumpet, and the men pulled back from the city. 
each of them returned home. And Joab went back to the king in Jerusalem. Here are David's last words. He said, I am David, the son of Jesse. God has given me a message. The Most High God has greatly honored me. The God of Jacob anointed me as king. I am the hero of Israel's songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. I spoke his word with my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The Rock of Israel said to me, A king must rule over people in the way that is right. He must have respect for God when he rules. Then he will be like the light of morning at sunrise, when there aren't any clouds. He will be like the sun after the rain that makes the grass grow on the earth. Suppose my royal family was not right with God. Then he would not have made a covenant with me that will last forever. Every part of it was well prepared and made secure. Then God would not have saved me completely or given me everything I longed for. But evil people are like thorns that are thrown away. You can't pick them up with your hands. Even if you touch them, you must use an iron tool or a spear. Thorns are burned up right where they are. The Lord was very angry with Israel. He stirred up David against them, and he said, Go, count the men of Israel and Judah. So the king spoke to Joab and the army commanders with him. He said, Go all throughout the territories of the tribes of Israel. Go from the town of Dan all the way to Beersheba. Count the fighting men. Then I'll know how many there are. Joab replied to the king. He said, King David, you're my master. May the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times, and may you live to see it. But why would you want me to count the fighting men? The king's word had more authority than the word of Joab and the army commanders. That was true in spite of what Joab had said. So they left the king and they went out to count the fighting men of Israel. They went across the Jordan River and counted all the tribes on the east side of the river. Then they went north and counted everyone who could fight in those tribes. And then they went down the coast until they reached the southernmost parts of Israel and Judah. They finished going through the entire land, and then they came back to Jerusalem. They had been gone for nine months and twenty days. Joab reported to the king how many fighting men he had counted. In Israel, there were 800,000 men who were able to handle a sword. In Judah, there were 500,000. David felt sorry that he had counted the fighting men, so he said to the Lord, I committed a great sin when I counted Judah and Israel's men. Lord, I beg you to take away my guilt. I've done a very foolish thing. Before David got up the next morning, a message from the Lord came to Gad, the prophet. He was David's seer. The message said, Go and tell David. The Lord says, I could punish you in three different ways. Choose one of them for me to use against you. So Gad went to David and he said to him, Take your choice. Do you want three years where there won't be enough food in your land? Or do you want three months where you will run away from your enemies while they chase you? Or do you want three days when there will be a plague in your land? Think it over and then take your pick. Tell me how to answer the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I'm suffering terribly. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord. His mercy is great, but don't let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel, and it lasted from morning until he decided to end it. From Dan all the way to Beersheba, 70,000 people died. The angel reached his hand out to destroy Jerusalem, but the Lord stopped sending the plague. So he spoke to the angel who was making the people suffer. He said, that's enough. Don't kill any more people. The angel of the Lord was at Aaron's threshing floor. 
Arana was from the city of Jebus. David saw the angel who was striking down the people. David said to the Lord, I'm the one who has sinned. I'm the one who has done what is wrong. I'm like a shepherd for these people. These people are like sheep. What have they done? Let your judgment be on me and my family. On that day, Gad went to David. Gad said to him, Go up to the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite, and build an altar there to honor the Lord. So David went up and did it. He did what the Lord had commanded through Gad. Arana looked and saw that the king and his officials were coming towards him. So he went out to welcome them, and he bowed down to the king with his face towards the ground. Arana said, King David, you are my master. Why have you come to see me? To buy your threshing floor, David answered. I want to build an altar there to honor the Lord. When I do, the plague on the people will be stopped. Arana said to David, Take anything you wish, offer it up. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering. Here are the threshing sleds, and here are the wooden collars from the necks of the oxen. Use all the wood to burn the offering. Your majesty, I'll give it all to you. Arana continued, And may your Lord God accept you. But the king replied to Arana, I want to pay you for it. I won't sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that haven't costed me anything. So David brought the threshing floor and the oxen. He paid 20 ounces of silver for them. David built an altar there to honor the Lord. He sacrificed burnt offerings and friendship offerings. Then the Lord answered David's prayer and he blessed the land. The plague on Israel was stopped. And that's the last story in the book of Samuel. Isn't that strange? One of the best parts about the Bible is that you can be sure that if a story seems strange, then it was built that way. It's supposed to make you think about it for a long time, over years and years, and slowly reveal more to you about God and about yourself as you read it again and again. The first thing to notice is that the book of Samuel opens and closes with a story and a song. So if you have time, you should go back and listen to Hannah's song in episode 31. Then from that song, you should compare it to David's song that we just read. The stories are meant to be read while thinking about each other. As we've read through First and Second Samuel, maybe you've noticed pairs of stories repeating. A similar thing is happening there. The author of 1st and 2nd Samuel has carefully told the story to make you think about the different characters and how they're acting. Like when David has a chance to kill Saul two times. Or when David's children start acting like David did earlier in the story. Or when Joab kills General Abner, and then Joab also kills General Amasa, like we just read. These stories are all told in ways to make you think about each one in light of the other. And they're everywhere in First and Second Samuel and throughout the scriptures. We can trust these stories because they all point to our God and toward Jesus, his son. We never waste time when we're listening to and reading from the scriptures. Every time we put on a podcast like this or maybe listen to our parents read the Bible or read the Bible on our own, we can get to know our God and his son Jesus even better. These last stories in 2 Samuel show us that King David ends his reign over Israel as a sad and a lonely man. His sin ended up killing three of his own sons, and he's forced to live surrounded by bullies and murderers like Joab and his brother Abishai. 
But the difference between David and Saul isn't so much in their behavior. They both do awful things. Instead, we can look at how each repent and change. Saul is a bad king that hangs onto his power with all of his might, while David is a king who repents and who asks for forgiveness and tries to change when he realizes that he's sinned. Even though he does this, he still suffers terribly, and he fails at leading Israel. This is because Israel doesn't need David as their king. They need God to be their king. This is what God told them from the very beginning of this story. He told Samuel not to be upset because they hadn't rejected Samuel as their judge and leader, but they had rejected God as their king when they asked for a human king. David helps us understand that no human, no matter how good and faithful they might be, can be our good king. David is the best prepared out of everyone in Israel, the most worthy, but even he makes a mess of things and needs a better king and savior who comes to us as Jesus. I hope that all of this has been helpful for you. Maybe you can share this podcast and tell your friends or other people about it. Then you can talk about it with them and continue to grow in love and knowledge and faithfulness about God's kingdom and his son, Jesus Christ who is better than anything else.